Good morning and welcome. I want to wish you a happy new year. Hard to believe that the year's over, and tomorrow, the Lord willing, we will embark upon a new year. We're grateful for your presence today. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back. We're grateful for the number that come our way each and every week. We're so thankful that you come and honor us with your presence. Uh, I do want to just very quickly say, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but I want to say thank you to all of you that have made this a great year. I especially want to thank all of those who have taken part in all the great works that have been going on, those who have sacrificed their time, their talents. You have really made this a great year, and we want to make 2018 an even better year. And I would encourage you to be praying for our elders and all those who are members here. Pray for one another that we can make this a great year and ultimately bring God glory. Got a lot of folks that are traveling away for the weekend, and we want to keep them in our prayers. I know that it's a busy time of the year. People are coming and going. And so if you are traveling, we want to bid you Godspeed. We pray for your safety. And uh, hopefully in a couple of days, things will get back to normal. And uh, quite frankly, I'm looking forward to it. And so looking forward to a new year. I want to call your attention to John chapter 10 in our study today. We're going to be talking about the abundant life in Christ Jesus. And I want to begin by really emphasizing the theme of our study today. And that is, I want to encourage you to give yourself to the Lord in the coming year. I want to really encourage you to make every effort to make God priority one in your life in 2018. You can never go wrong serving the Lord. And so I want to encourage you to make God a part of every single day. And in so doing, I promise you, you will be blessed immeasurably. So what about this abundant life afforded us in Christ? You know, Jesus said in John chapter 10, that he was the good shepherd, and as the good shepherd, he had come that we might have life. As a matter of fact, he said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But Jesus came so that we might have life, and ultimately, he said that we might have it more abundantly. I want to say to you today that if you're a Christian, then you are living a blessed life. If you're not a Christian, you're missing out on so much. What I want to do is encourage all of us to make sure that we enjoy the abundant life that is promised us in the Lord. And so in looking at John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said many, many years ago, I have come that you might have life. Let's just talk for a minute or two about the purpose of his coming. When I think about the purpose of his coming, I'm reminded of his marvelous birth. Now, Jesus has always existed as the second member of the Godhead. For example, Micah, in Micah chapter 5 at verse 2, would identify the birthplace of Jesus as Bethlehem of Judea. But he said, speaking of the Christ, 
He would say, whose goings forth are from of old, even from everlasting, or literally from the days of eternity. So Jesus, as the second member of the Godhead, has always existed. But in the Old Testament, there is what I would call the revelation of his birth. And you remember in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve transgressed in the Garden of Eden, God made a promise to the human family. That promise involved the coming of his son, identified as the promised seed. And so beginning at that point, God began unveiling his scheme of redemption. In other words, his means of saving fallen man. Inherent in that great plan involved the birth of Jesus. Isaiah writing some seven centuries before Jesus would make his entrance into the world. Isaiah foretold of the birth of Jesus. He said, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And he said, you shall call his name Emmanuel. Over in chapter 9 at verse 6, Isaiah said, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government, he said, shall be upon his shoulder. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We know him as Jesus. And so, in the Old Testament, the Bible reveals unto us the coming of the birth of Jesus. So there is the revelation of his birth, and then what I would say is the realization of his birth. Matthew, in Matthew chapter 1, talks about the seed line of the Christ, that kingly descent or genealogy. And in that great chapter, Matthew chapter 1, Matthew talks about the visit that the angel made to Joseph in a dream, informing him that that which had been conceived in Mary was of the Holy Spirit. And he said, she shall bring forth a son. And he said, you'll call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then he said, all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken to the Lord by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which being translated or interpreted is God with us. God in human flesh, the incarnate Christ. You remember John said in John chapter 1, talking about the Word, that eternal Word. He said, well, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he said, we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So first there is his marvelous birth, but then his majestic behavior. The Bible talks about the incomparable Jesus. There has never been a person like Jesus. There will never be another person like Jesus. He is incomparable in every way. And I think about the majestic behavior of Jesus. And first I'm reminded of the miracles that he performed. In the book of John, there are seven miracles or signs performed by Jesus really authenticating 
his claims of deity. Do you remember Jesus said, the works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me in John chapter 5. John said, many of the signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but he said, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So over and over again, we read of the many miracles that Jesus performed. And not only do we read about the great miracles that he performed, but what about the message that he preached? The Lord began his earthly ministry calling upon people to repent because he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom, that institution that he would ultimately purchase with his blood. The kingdom that had been foretold centuries earlier by Daniel in Daniel chapter 2. I mentioned Isaiah a moment ago. Isaiah saw the church as an exalted mountain into which all nations would flow. So when you look at the great message that Jesus preached, it's no wonder that Peter would say on one occasion, Lord, you have the words of life eternal. Do you remember it was said of Jesus on one occasion, no man ever spoke like this man. Could you imagine being present in the first century and having the opportunity to see firsthand the great miracles that Jesus performed, beginning in Cana of Galilee with the marriage feast, turning water into wine? What about all the people that he healed, the dead that were raised, all the great miracles that Jesus performed laid claim to his deity? And then you think about his incomparable message. Jesus would say in chapter 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. All roads leading to him for life. And then, what about his missionary business? Jesus came to earth with a mission, didn't he? Do you remember back in chapter 4 in the book of John when he said, My food is to do the work of him who sent me to finish his work. In John chapter 6, he would say, I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In the shadow of the cross, Jesus would lift his eyes to the Father and say, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you've given me to do. Well, what was that work? It's to die for the sins of the human family. Jesus came to earth to die for us. As he would say in John chapter 10, look, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We owe everything to the Lord. Why? Because he gave everything for us. I think about the words of Paul in writing to the church at Corinth. When he said, you've heard of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he were rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. Jesus came to make us rich, to bless us in so many, many ways. And the idea is that we not lose sight of that. So first I think about the purpose of his coming. But then what about the provisions of his coming? Jesus said, I have come that you might have life 
But then he said, and that you might have it more abundantly. Don't you think that Jesus intends for us to enjoy an abundant life, a good life? Don't you think the Lord wants us to enjoy life here on planet earth? Life is a gift. Peter talks about he that would love life and see good days. We ought to be grateful for every single day that we have here on planet earth. Job talked about the brevity of life and how man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. The psalmist said, look, you might live to be 70 or 80 years of age, but he said it's accompanied by strength and sorrow and labor. He said it's soon cut off and we fly away. So in light of that, he said, teach us to number our days, to understand the brevity of life and to make wise usage of the time that God has granted us here upon this earth. So what about life? What about this abundant life? What about giving ourselves to the Lord in the coming year? I want to say first and foremost that life, as we know it, begins in Christ. It begins in Christ, it begins with Christ. There are a lot of folks in our world today that are struggling with any number of problems. Some of those problems sadly have been self-inflicted. But you see, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. How many people do you think in the world today, if you were to ask them, would you like a do-over? In other words, would you like to have the opportunity to start with a clean slate? To just start all over? How many people do you think would say yes? I promise you there are a lot of folks that would say, you better believe it. It might be that you're here today. And because of some things in your life, you would love, you would relish the opportunity of just starting over clean slate. Well, let me tell you what, it's possible. You see, Jesus talked about the new birth in John chapter 3. When Nicodemus came to Jesus and acknowledged that he was a teacher sent from God, the reason being, he said, for no man can do the miracles which you're doing. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, he said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thought Jesus was talking about a physical birth. And Jesus said, I'm not talking about a physical birth. Remember what Nicodemus said? How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I just hear Jesus saying, you missed it. You don't understand he said, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What Jesus is saying is that through the new birth, we are afforded a new life. Isn't that what Paul said in Romans chapter 6, how we die to the love and the practice of sin? We rise to walk in newness of life. Think about the people to whom Paul wrote, living in the city of Corinth. And Corinth, as you well know, identified by idolatry and immorality, rampant idolatry and immorality. And Paul, in writing to those people, said, look, 
If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He said, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what does that mean? It means, number one, the new birth needs, leads to a new beginning, doesn't it? Think about that. You want a new life? You want to start over? January 1, 2018. Coming right up. How many times do people enter the new year making resolutions? And a lot of times what they're saying is, you know what, I'm not happy with what I did in the past. I want to start over. What I want to do is focus on some things that will help me be a better person, to do better, to live better, to feel better, to act better. Well, you see, in Jesus, through the new birth, you're granted a new beginning. You can go back to Corinth and you can read about those folks. People whose lives were steeped in sin. And yet Jesus came to do what? Seek and save the lost. And so life begins. It begins in Christ. It begins with Christ. There's a second thing I want to share with you. Jesus said, remember what he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So what about the provisions of his coming? Well, number one, life begins in Christ with Christ. But number two, life is bettered in Christ. In other words, you can have a better life. How many people do you think in our world, and sometimes even in the church, how many times... Do you hear about people settling for a second-rate life? A lot of people like that, aren't there? They're just content, aimlessly going through life. And they have failed to understand Jesus can give you a better life. He can make you a better husband, a better wife, a better son, a better daughter, a better grandchild a better sibling, a better friend, a better worker, co-worker, employer. Jesus can make you a better person. He can change your life. He can revolutionize your life. A lot of people in the world today, they'll tell you, I don't have any hope, don't have any help, don't have any happiness. Well, I'm here to tell you that in Jesus you can have hope, you can have help, and you can have happiness. Have all three. You can have all of those things in Christ. A couple of weeks ago, I got a call from Chuck's nephew, Kenny. He called me early Monday morning. And he said, Chuck wants to talk to you. So I said, I'll be there in just a few minutes or a little bit. So I went to the hospital and Chuck was having a really bad day. I could barely hear him. So I had to stoop down. He took my hand and he said, the doctors have said they've done all they can do. No more hope. He said, I want you to conduct my funeral. There's some folks that are gonna hear that this week. There's no hope. But you see, 
In Jesus, there's hope, isn't there? There's always hope. Paul said that we, that is God's children, we live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. Don't you want that kind of life? A life of hope? To know that life doesn't end in the cemetery? When we placed Chuck's body in that mausoleum yesterday, that was not the end. As a matter of fact, when Chuck stepped out of this earthly realm of existence into eternity, he entered in a whole new dimension. He entered life, didn't he? You think about that. And we're talking about a better life in Christ. That's a better life. To know that I have hope. I know the end may come. It's going to come. But just because I die in the flesh doesn't mean that I cease to exist. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And then, what about help? You know, people in the world today that say, you know what, I don't have anybody to help me. I don't have anybody that cares about me. Nobody really understands me. They don't understand where I've been, what I'm going through. They just don't get it. You may be here today, and that's how you feel. I can tell you somebody that does, Jesus does. He understands. Yes, he does. And you know what the Bible says? You can cast all your care on him. And the reason is because he cares for you. That's a message that will sell. Because there are people in our world today, number one, look, they don't have any hope, and they sure don't have any help. And yet in Jesus, we have help, don't we? Didn't the Hebrew writer say that we are to draw boldly under the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help when? In time of need. So child of God, let me tell you who's on your side. The Lord is. And one plus the Lord is always a majority. Jesus, or rather Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us? So, if you're in Christ, your life is going to be a better life. It's going to be a better life because you're going to have hope, you're going to have help. And let me tell you another thing, you're going to have some happiness. When Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, you know where he was? He was in jail. Matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 1, he talks about his chains in Christ. They're rotating these guards in every four to six hours. And Paul's chained to a Roman guard. Day in, day out. And here's Paul in this prison. He's writing to the church at Philippi. And you know what he said? Believe it or not, he said, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. How you do that? Because of Christ. Remember in verse 11, when Paul said, I have learned in whatever state I'm in, therein to be content. Okay, Paul, what's the key to contentment? Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. It's certain we can carry nothing out. There are a lot of folks, if you were to ask them, okay, are you happy in life? What would they say? Not happy? Not satisfied? Not content? Matter of fact, I just don't even like life itself. Well, in Christ, you can enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. And the peace that passes all understanding, the joy, contentment that you have, is not dictated by what's going on in the world around you. But rather, there is this inward peace, this sense of calm 
calmness and serenity afforded you as a believer in Christ. Now, I said a minute ago, there are a lot of folks in our world today, a lot of folks in the church settling for a second-rate life. Really reminding me of the children of Israel. Remember when God sent the spies out to survey the land? Ten came back. They gave an unfavorable report. They said, look, we can't go in the land. There are giants there. Joshua and Caleb, however, they stood up and said, look, we can go in. We can conquer the land. Who'd the people believe? They believed the ten spies that gave that unfavorable report. And so as a result of that, the children of Israel, that is, those who were 20 and upward, destined to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Imagine out here wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Running around in the wilderness for 40 long years. I want you to see something very quickly. Turn back with me just very quickly to Numbers chapter 14. So I think there's an important message here for all of us, particularly those of us who are parents and grandparents. In verse 30 of chapter 14, God talks about Caleb and Joshua who would ultimately enter that promised land. Verse 31, he said, But your little ones whom you said would be victims, he said, I'll bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. He said, But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. In other words, you're going to die in the wilderness. And then look at verse 33. He said, Your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years. Now, listen to what he says. And bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Your children are bearing the brunt of your poor decisions. Sometimes as parents, we don't get it when it comes to what's best for our kids. You tell me what parent today doesn't want a better life for his child or her child. I bet you every single one of us want a better life, don't we? We all want a better life. You know where that life begins? It begins in Christ. I want to encourage you this year to buy into the Lord. Buy in like you've never bought in before. You be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Every opportunity you have, you come to services. You get involved in the work. You get your, your young people involved in our youth program. I promise you, we got a youth program second to none. We really do. Get them involved. A lot of times parents and grandparents Settle for second-rate living. The decisions that you make in your life will impact your children. They did in the lives of the children of Israel, and they will for us. Give me three months, or give the Lord three months. For the next three months, you tell yourself you're going to read the Bible every day, you're going to have a devotional every day in your home, you're going to pray every day, you're going to be at services every time the doors are open. You're going to get involved in the work. And you tell me how good life is at the end of those three months. I promise you, you'll see a changed life. You want a better life? It begins in Christ. It can begin today. So you think about life begins in Christ, doesn't it? Yes. 
Life is bettered in Christ, yes. Now, you, now we talk about a better life. You know why living the Christian life is a better life? It's a better life because it is a blessed life. It's a blessed life. Do you want to enjoy blessings in life? Then be in Christ. It all begins and ends in Christ. Think about it. Life begins in Christ. Life is bettered in Christ. And life is blessed in Christ. To live for Christ, it is the best way to live. It is the better way to live. Why? Because it's the blessed life. It's a better life because it's a blessed life. You believe that? Don't settle for second best. The devil wants you to live out here in the wilderness, to just be satisfied, wandering aimlessly through life. There's a better life. I promise there is a better life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, listen to him, and that you might have it more abundantly. If you don't have an abundant life right now, I want to, I want to encourage you to start living for the Lord day in and day out. Best way to live. I promise you, it is the best, the absolute best way to live. So, don't just take my word for it. Take the Lord's word. Because Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So if you're here today, and maybe as we close the books on 2017, your assessment is, you know what? I'm not where I want to be. My kids aren't where I want them to be. And quite frankly, life, life for me is just, just not much fun. And maybe you've tried everything. You know, Solomon did that. Solomon tried everything. He had everything the world could, could offer. Power, prestige, possessions. He had it all. And you know what he said? Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and about verse 17. He said, therefore I hated life. Just because you have everything doesn't mean that you have what's most important. A lot of folks in our world today, they have everything but have nothing. But in Christ, you can have everything. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, let me tell you what. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm he, you'll die in your sins. He doesn't want you to die in your sins because he knows if you die in your sins, he said, where I am there, you can't come. He wants you to be in heaven. So what would you need to do? Do what he told Nicodemus, be born again. Be baptized into Christ. Let the Lord wash your sins away. Let him put you in the church. Make you a part of his family. Become one of his children. And he'll bless your life. You'll have a better life. You would not believe just how great your life can be in Christ. If you're here today and maybe your life has not been what it ought to be as a Christian, you need our prayers. Look, we'd be happy to pray for you. James said, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. We'd be happy to do that as we stand and sing.